Well, good morning, North Shore. It's lovely to see your faces today. It's lovely to be here. Uh, thanks especially to our online guests for joining us. You're not in the room. What you don't see is that it's a family service and all of our kids are in the room with us, or many of them. Uh, and that's great. And if there happens to be moments of chaos, I want you to remember it's a holy chaos. It's okay. Um, if you've got your sermon notes, if you've got a handout, paper handout, you'll notice that one side has sermon notes and the flip side has, has open space for activities. So whether you're 8 or 80, you can use that space, and that's fine. I won't judge your childlikeness today. Um, and if you want to draw pictures on the back of that or you want to draw things you're grateful for, uh, you're invited to use that space accordingly. So we're taking a break from our series on First Peter just to spend time thinking about being grateful and thanksgiving. And I think it's a good break, and it's a wonderful time for us to be a church family together. And I'd like us to begin right away with our scripture. The scripture is going to be from the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And we're going to try and memorize it together this morning. So you all know it already, yes? No, you don't. Let's go ahead, uh, go ahead Bob, and put it up on the screen for us, the next slide. Let's, rate, uh, uh, let's read this together. Ready? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, we're going to do that again, and then I'm going to take it off the screen, and then we're going to do it without the screen, okay? I think we can pull it off. Ready? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's take it off. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I could see the panic in some of your eyes as you listen to your neighbors and like, oh, you caught on to the words as they went on. Don't worry. We're going to do this a bunch more times together this morning. Uh, it's an amazing, lovely verse. It's a really elegant and beautiful phrase. You could put it back up, Bob. I'm sorry. Maybe I haven't made that clear. Put it back up on the screen for a second. Uh, but some of the things uh, that come through are really elegant in it. The, the, the verbs are, um, the adverbs are at the front of it. You guys know what an adverb is. It describes the voice. So it's always rejoice, unceasingly pray, in everything give thanks. It's got a lovely kind of pattern and cadence in Greek, and that's going to confuse your Bible memory as we go forward. <laughs> it's really hard to keep these things on your head. Uh, but this is great. And we're going to focus on that third command, which is to give thanks in everything. In everything, give thanks. We are commanded to be grateful, told to do it. And I think we've got to ask some questions. What does it mean to be grateful? How do you do this? So I want to highlight two things that gratitude is, and we'll go through these. This is a, 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 we'll go through these pretty briefly today. Uh, number one, I think gratitude is an emotion. Gratitude is an emotion. It's a good feeling. It feels something coming up welling with inside you. If someone gives you a gift that you really like, that feeling you have is gratitude, right? Or have you ever been stopped on the side of the road with a flat tire? And you don't know what you're going to do, and someone comes and says, can I help you out? The feeling you have in response is gratitude. Or you're feeling really low and down, and you don't know how to process something, and someone takes time to listen to you for an hour, and they just listen and hear you and lift you up. What do you feel? Gratitude. Sense of uplift, the sense of feeling you have about these things. It's the good feeling that comes from being given a gift, 
or helped out in need or encouraged in a special way. Uh, years ago now, Lisa and I were getting ready to go to Scotland for our PhD. And we, um, we felt like we, <laughs> we felt there was one person we were supposed to ask for money, just one person. The Lord said, Jeremy, call this person. And I said, okay. And I called him up and I said, hey, mate, I'm going to ask you for money. And he said, great. And that was a good beginning. <laughs> and that was the beginning of that. And within a few weeks, we had um, half the money we needed to go. It was unbelievable how God had provided. And we said, we're not going to ask for anything else. We aren't. And for the next five years, uh, people just sent us money. It was unbelievable. We were provided for in these ways. And we needed, we had this deep sense of gratitude that people had funded us and supported us in these ways with sometimes enormous gifts of money. And so one of the things that we did, um, we, had these, uh, Liesl, we had these bits of Japanese paper that Liesl cut into these circles. Um, and so this is a piece of paper cut into a circle. This is one of them. And we took them, and we had about 30 or 40 of these from the people who donated to us, and we hung them on a, on a piece of fabric and hung the piece of fabric on the wall of our home so that every time we walked past it, we would remember the people who'd support us. What am I forgetting, Lisa? 150 of these is what we have. I'm sorry. See, this is why you keep your wife nearby, so she can correct these things. Um, and so we, um, that piece of fabric um, was for a season, but we kept one of them as the reminder that we were provided for so profoundly, and it reminds us to be grateful, okay? I should have set up a little thing. I'll just put it right here, and you guys can, you guys can think about gratitude, the dot of gratitude. No, that's not it. All right, so gratitude, then, is this sense of uh, joyful obligation, the feeling of emotion, the sense of, wow, I'm so grateful for this. But the second thing gratitude is, is that gratitude is a duty. Gratitude is also a duty. It's something you feel, but it's also something we have to do. When someone gives you a gift, even if you don't want it, what do you say? Thank you. Okay? You got to deal with it. If someone lets you in the zipper merge, even if it was your turn, what do you say? Thank you. I want to remind all drivers that you should say thank you to other drivers when they're nice to you. There was a whole song about that. I just want to thank you for letting me change lanes while I was driving in my car. I just dated myself. That's okay. Some of you know that. If somebody opens a door for you, what do you say? Thank you. And so there's a duty of gratitude that we perform. It's not something we feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's courtesy to be grateful in these ways in both these things. So this is then the practice courtesy of acknowledging gifts. Uh, the kids are here today, and each Sunday, you kids are great. You make these things in Sunday school. You make crafts and things, and you bring them to us for us to put in our refrigerators and in our offices and to keep in our homes. Even though our offices are full and our refrigerators are already populated with stuff, but you know what we say every time? Thank you. It's a duty. It's an obligation to receive these things, all right? So let's go back over our verse. Do you remember it? Okay. Rejoice always, pray unceasingly, <laughs> in all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That was well done. I'm impressed. If all you come away with today is you memorize some verses of the Bible, this is good. Now, note we started with very short verses, right? One of these verses is only two words. Uh, if you're ever going to start your Bible, remember, remember you can start with the verse, Jesus wept, and then you've already begun memorizing the Bible, okay? 
We can put the words back up. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks. So Paul tells us, he gives this command, give thanks. This is what you're supposed to do. And so between gratitude as this grateful feeling and gratitude as, a, as an obligation, which is it that he wants us to do? Is he telling you to feel good feelings all the time? Or is he asking you to be a dutiful person all the time? He's probably a little bit of both. Paul wants us to feel grateful feelings towards God. Yeah, that's the right response, that we should have a joyful gratitude towards our God for what he's done for us. But he also wants us to recognize our obligations. Because he's given you a lot, you need to behave in a kind of dutiful way toward him. It's going to look both ways. Now, this could be tricky because it could sound like, as Christians, we're being asked to feel happy feelings all the time. Um, and I think that's probably not quite right. The answer to this and the answer to the puzzle lies in the verses we've read. Look closely. It says, Paul writes us um, for us to be grateful in all things, not grateful for all things. A little preposition makes a huge difference. Being grateful in all circumstances being, versus being grateful for every circumstance you experience in life. It's a terribly important distinction. So to be grateful for all things means that whatever happens, you better be grateful or else. Did you get a bad diagnosis? Cancer? Parkinson's? You'd better be grateful. Okay. Did you lose your job? You should be grateful. God's doing something in your life. Be grateful. Right? You're experiencing tough work? You should be grateful. You're being bullied? You should be grateful. At least they know you're there. I, it's just, it could be manipulative and difficult. Are you getting divorced? You should be grateful. Are you being punished for your misbehavior? You should be grateful. Because I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? <laughs> should be grateful. And I'm afraid that sometimes a verse like this one is used to force us to put on cheerful faces, even in circumstances which really aren't cheerful at all. So there's some manipulation here. But being grateful for everything really isn't the same as being grateful in everything. So let's think about this. Being grateful in all circumstances means, I think it means, that no matter how bad things are, no matter how grim they are, we can find something to be grateful for. Okay. Well, today was really tough, but you know what? The sun is shining. We can be grateful for that. Uh, man, this relationship is hard, but you know what? I'm really grateful for the friends that I have. Well, my friends have really alienated me, but I'm so glad that I have a family that loves and supports me. Or, it's really hard at home right now, I'm grateful I have friends. Or, my friends and family have really let me down, but I'm so grateful for my dog. Or my fish, or my emotional support iguana. We've got, we can find something, we can always find something that we could be grateful for, no matter how the circumstances are difficult. And I hope you can see the difference between being grateful in all circumstances versus being grateful for your circumstances. It's not the same thing. And I think this is really important as Christians. Our Christian attitude is not to paste over or ignore the difficult things in life, but to keep perspective in the midst of those difficult circumstances by remembering the things we have to be grateful for. There's a really lovely book uh, by a woman named Darlene Diebler-Rose. It's called Evidence of Things Unseen. Um, it's a great book. I recommend it to you. Um, she's a missionary in Southeast Asia. She works with Robert Jaffrey, who's one of the founding alliance missionaries, one of these fantastic people. And she's in, um, she's in I think, Indonesia, Philippines. 
She's in Papua New Guinea, Oceania. Uh, she's there before the Japanese invade, and when they do invade, she's taken and put into a Japanese prison camp where she is not tortured, but terribly neglected and beaten and given horrible situation. And at one point, she's, in, she's really sick, and she's malnourished, and she's in solitary confinement, and she can kind of crawl up and see out the window of her cell. And while she's there, she sees one of her fellow prison mates receiving a bunch of bananas. And in the sudden moment, she's like, I desperately want a banana. And so she prays, Jesus, don't give me a whole bunch. Just give me one banana, please. And then she's repentant. She's like, I should be grateful for my gruel. I should be grateful for this thin rice gruel. She says, Lord, I I am grateful. I'm not ungrateful for this, but I I just want one banana. (laughs) And so some time goes by, and um, one of the people that she's ministered to in the past ends up in the prison with her. And he walks up to the door, and he finds her, and he's astonished to see her, probably horrified by her appearance. And shortly after that, he shows up in her cell. She's pulled out and comes back, and there's a pile of bananas. She didn't ask for them, didn't see them. She counts them. There's 92 bananas. So, she's not ungrateful, but God is abundant, and there's something to be grateful for. Is she grateful that she's in prison, eating prison gruel and being punished for these things? Not at all. But has God provided her a reason to rejoice in gratitude in the midst of that? Yes. So she's grateful in her circumstances, not grateful for her circumstances. Okay. I want to point you to three things that we can all be grateful for. I think these are three things that everybody in the Christian life could be grateful for. I, made, I set the bar pretty low for this. There's lots of additional things you can pick, lots of other things you could be grateful for, but here's three. Number one, you can be grateful for food. We're all eating, okay? Some of us more than others. Don't look too closely at me, okay? We're all eating. We're all having time. We're all having moments of food. And you can pause and be grateful for the fact that you have food on your plate. And you have something that you can eat and you're being nourished. This is amazing. Don't, don't skip over the small things. A second thing we can be grateful for, especially in BC, is beauty. It's really easy. We don't live in like a strip-mined wasteland where you look outside the doors and all you see is the slag of a hundred years of mining. We look out our windows and we see mountains and clouds and trees and water. This is a pretty stunning place to be. And so you can be grateful for that beauty. If you live, if you grew up in a place like, like where I grew up in the Midwest, you have to find your beauty in like sunrises and sunsets because there's nothing on the horizon. Just look, remember, it's like Saskatchewan. You can watch your dog run away for three days, right? That's... It's just, there's nothing out there. It's cornfields and it's obscure, but you watch sunrises and sunsets and um, you find, wow, I could be grateful for the beauty of this place. But it's so easy here. So don't take it for granted, right? <laughs> Neglecting being grateful for these things. And the third thing we can all be grateful for is our salvation. God has given us an incredible gift in the salvation brought to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We were debtors, huge debtors in the weight of our sin. And Jesus has extended his forgiving love to us, and now we live in the freedom of Christ because of it. And that is the most obligating reason to be grateful of all. You've been given a great gift. We must live gratefully in response. So in the Christian life, here's the, I set the bar really low. You're going to eat, you're going to see beautiful things, and you've been saved by Jesus. We can be grateful for all these things. 
and practice it. You can add as many things as you want to this list. You could be grateful for spouses, friends, works, and emotional support iguanas. Whatever the case may be, you could be grateful for these things and add to it. But I think there's a base of gratitude we can cultivate by focusing really healthily on these three things. Let me recite first Thess- or let us recite First Thessalonians 1, uh, 5, 16 through 18 again. Ready? I'll give you the first word. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay. What a lovely verse. Rejoice always. In all th- excuse me, rejoice always. Pray unceasingly. In all things give thanks. So are these, Paul is asking us to do grateful things, grateful feelings, or the grateful duty, and I think, like I said, it's a little bit of both. Paul wants us to practice being grateful in all things, not for all things, so that the duty of gratitude can grow into the emotion of gratitude. You see how that is? If you're practicing being grateful by the duty of gratitude, by giving thanks for these daily things in life, it has power to grow into the emotion of gratitude. And then we, are, we have right hearts and right emotions in life. But sometimes you won't feel it, and then you just have to do it. We practice it. That's why we practice in both these things. So let me give you some practical advice on how to become grateful. Let's just be, let's be super practical. And I want to give you two pieces of advice. And the first is to, I want, both of them have to do with prayer. I want you to pray individually, and I want you to pray as a family. I want you to pray individually, and I want you to pray as a family. Now, individually, it's terribly important for Christians to have a daily time of devotion. This is important. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. It doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. For some of you, first thing in the morning is going to be ideal. For others of you, it's going to be the five minutes before you hit the gym. For others of you, it's going to be five minutes before you start your work day. For others of you, it's going to be the three minutes you can steal alone in the bathroom before the children come screaming at you, right? It's going to be, you can find the time that works for you. It's, it's doesn't, there's nothing sacred about specific times in the day. We get to find what works for you. And you need some time. You need a few minutes to read a verse or a chapter of the Bible and a few minutes to quiet your heart and a few seconds to say, Jesus, thanks for this day. I don't know what it brings, but thank you. And just to get your heart in that right space. So you're cultivating these godly emotions that shape and frame our day. Okay? So you've got to do that individually. But I think it's also important to pray as a family. And I want to give you some advice on this. Now, the easiest thing to do is to pray before your meals. It's the easiest and simplest thing you can do. So when you're sitting as your family at a table, take a moment and say a prayer of thanks for the food you're about to eat. Now, I've got some really, I've got some really key advice on this. Ready? Uh, well, I'll give you an example first. We had a pastor at my church growing up. His name was Pastor Love. What a great name for a pastor, huh? Pastor Love. And he was, he, was a, he was a lovely, nice man, but he prayed for so long. Just he would go on and on and on. And I remember one time he was at our house for a meal, and I thought I was going to die of starvation. <laughs> well, he prayed this prayer. I mean, he prayed for every missionary he knew and every single world event going on, and he proved his theology lessons over and over again. It was astonishing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Nobody is impressed with your piety while the food gets cold. Okay? So keep it short. 
Keep it short. Pray. Give thanks. Have a moment of thanksgiving for these things. Keep it simple. It's not about showing off. It's about saying, we're going to be grateful as a family uh, for how God has provided for us. Now, it's important. If you've got a family um, with kids and you're going to do these things, family prayers at the table, there's a couple things I need you to know. You should teach your kids to pray without teaching them through the prayer. Okay? Teach your kids to pray. Model it by having a real prayer life without teaching them through prayer. Lord, um, I pray that you will help little Timmy to realize what a stinker he's been this week. (laughs) Right? Uh, Lord, would you help Alice to repent from her many sinful ways and how she's messing up our family? You could, you know how people do this, right? They're not talking to God, they're talking to you, but using God to kind of strong arm you into something. Don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, your kids see through it, then they draw conclusions about God. They think, well, God's manipulative like my parents, and they're not going to stay in faith if this is how you teach them to pray. Or they'll learn to be little manipulative stinkers just like you, okay? And then when they misbehave, you have to look in the mirror to find out why they did it. Okay, anyway, just lay it down there for you. The lesson is this. When you pray, talk to God, not to your kids. You're talking to God. And you're saying your thanks to Him, not... Uh, trying to communicate life lessons or moral platitudes or things to your family in that moment. All right, so maybe there's some questions. Question, what if I'm the only believer in my family, right? What if you're the only believer and everybody else in your family doesn't know Jesus? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think here's a couple of guidelines. One of the answers is this. If you cook, uh, you get to pray, okay? If you made the meal, then if they want to eat it, they have to give thanks for it. Sorry, folks. That's part of the, part of the price of admission. And I think that's fair. In fact, whenever I, whenever I go to someone's house and they've cooked a meal, they say, Pastor, would you pray? I say, no, you cooked, you get to pray. Okay? So if you try to fork that over to me, I'll push it right back at you, just so you know. Don't make a stink about it, but you should pray personally, even if the room doesn't pray. I mean, granted, you're not showing off. You're not trying to do something, you're not trying to do something to impress them. So if the meal's served and everyone's eating, you don't want to be like... All right, Lord! You don't, you don't want to pray in such a way that you draw attention to yourself because, of course, there are specific passages in the Bible about how that doesn't get you any credit at all. Okay? So quiet your heart, bow your head, say a short prayer, and then you can eat your meal. That's okay. You don't have to make, you're not trying to shame or manipulate people through your prayers. That's not what prayer is for. You're building gratitude in these moments. And then third, if you've got adult children who don't believe, all right, What if that's the case? You've got adult children who don't believe. Well, I think the difference is is whether you're in their house or they're in yours. If they've come to your house for a meal, your house, your rules. Okay? We're going to give thanks for this meal at our table. But if you're in their house, don't force it on them. Right? I think that's fair. Because, again, we're not trying to manipulate. We're not trying to win. Question, what if I live alone? Then pray all you want. (laughs) Okay? Give thanks. Give thanks for the quiet of your table. Give thanks for how God's provided for you in those moments. That's great. Another question, do I have to bow my head and close my eyes and fold my hands? Right? There's kind of a a Norman Rockwell image of family prayer here that I don't think is quite right. All those things are about uh, being quiet and being still. As uh, My kids are super fidgety, right? They want to dance and wiggle and do things. And sometimes all we're doing is we hold hands just to be still. Not because we're closing a sacred circle and the Spirit's going to come and fill us all. That's not what it's about. It's about just being still and being quiet. And sometimes bowing our heads helps us to be pause. Pause and reflective in that moment. 
But that's really, you don't have to. You could pray with your eyes open and pray with your eyes closed. Um, you can pray while you're walking or pray while you're sitting. There's, there's no special posture that's better than other postures for how we pray. Um, you're just going to try and do it as a family. The key is to focus attention on God and not ourselves. So do what helps you, but don't make it a deal or a rule. I want to tell you about one of the things we've done as a family. Um, we don't do this all the time, and I really don't want you to think that we're like super holy. We're not. Uh, we miss this all the time. So when we were living in Florida for a season, all four of our kids were sharing one room. There were three on the floor and one on a couch, and so they're all together. So we had a kind of like universal bedtime uh, where everyone laid down together. And while the kids were there and we'd lay down with them, we would, we would do some prayers. And I would lead them through. I'd say, let's give thanks for our day. And we'd talk about some thanks and do some things. And then I would say, all right, kids, each of you, let's say one thing we're thankful for and one thing we'd like help with. And each of our kids went around and said, well, I'm thankful today for this that happened. And I'd like help with this. I think that's the absolute minimum basis of prayer. I'm grateful, God, for this. Would you help me with this? I'm thankful, because then you're not just always asking. You're asking with the recognition that God has given you good things. And every day, every night, our kids could come up with stuff. It was never difficult for them to come up with things to be grateful for. And all we were doing was practicing some simple gratitude. And obviously, that's an eyes-open exercise. And we end each night with a prayer that Liesl adapted from um, our wedding ceremony. And our kids say together, may we come to know, love, trust, and serve you all the days of our life. And that's it. That's our day. It's very simple. It's not complex. We don't beat people over the head with it. And I want to invite you to the ease and relaxation of prayer, um, not, not the burden or the obligation or the guilt. There's a lot of guilt involved in prayer. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel joyful and a sense of cheerful obligation. Wow, this is great. I want to give thanks for it. Could I say it again? That I want you to be grateful and not guilty? Oh, may we come to know, love, trust, and serve you all the days of our life. But I'll catch me later, and I'll, get, I'll, I'll write it down for you as well. Thanks, Sarah. All right, one last time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all things, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus.